You're listening to episode 46 of the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. I want that friend to know like whatever you choose to do with your own body and your eating is completely your choice and I will never judge you for it. And if you decide at any point along the way that this isn't working for you, I am a safe friend to come to to share that this is no longer working for you and just to be there for you and talk. And so I think like over anything, it's not about convincing people to do things like our way or intuitively or whatever it is, or even deem that something else isn't eating intuitively for one person, but just to like be a safe place for people and um, just support people. I think that's like ultimately what it comes down to. Living a healthy, balanced life as a mom can sometimes feel impossible. With tiny mouths to feed, butts to wipe, and so many things vying for our attention, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe every mom is a super mom, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't have to go on another diet to do it. Join me, Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor for conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life. I want to help you uncomplicate eating, improve your relationship with food, and live like the supermama I know you are. Hey friends, Kristen Dovniak back for another episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I am so excited for this guest I am about to share with you today, not only because she is a certified health coach and certified intuitive eating counselor and just altogether beautiful soul, but because this woman happens to be my own personal coach. I joke with my friends that she's like my everything coach because we talk about everything from business to finances to relationships, intuitive eating, life in general, and she is just such a wealth of knowledge and just such a wonderful person. I cannot wait to have you hear the conversation we have today. We talked about everything from her story and how she went from tracking calories and macros and obsessing over food and her body to really truly finding freedom and joy in food and eating. We talk about how we are with food is how we are with money and diet budgeting and how um, changing our mindset around food can also apply to changing our mindset around money which is something so cool and unique and something I haven't yet talked about on the podcast. And then we dig in to what I find a really, really important topic. And we are talking about how intuitive eating doesn't need to look the same for everyone and how we can choose to create a safe space for other women in this world of intuitive eating and finding their beautiful balance and what works for them no matter what that means. I'm so excited to dig in to this conversation. So without further ado, Paige Schmidt is a certified health coach, intuitive eating counselor, and Ramsey certified financial coach. Over the past seven years, she has helped hundreds of women from all walks of life in every corner of the globe change their lives in the most powerful way imaginable by being true to themselves without being ruled by any kind of dogma, even intuitive eating dogma. She believes that her clients, just as they are, are fully capable of connecting to and honoring their body signals and of trusting themselves and letting go of rules, restriction, and obsession. 
She provides them the guidance in private and group coaching to bring all of this out within themselves. She's the author of the blog pageschmidt.com as well as the newly launched Growth Vault, which I can tell you from personal experience is absolutely incredible. So without any more delay, let's jump into our conversation. So welcome, Paige. I am so excited to have you on the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Yay. Thank you for having me. It's so funny. I have wanted to have you on for a while now, and I was thinking about it, and I think that the only reason I haven't had you on yet, and you weren't like one of my very first guests, is that I needed to decide what not to ask you, because I just wanted to ask you all of the things. (laughs) But really, having... Having the absolute privilege of working with you over the last six months, you have a really unique perspective in a lot of areas when it comes to intuitive eating and truly finding what works for us as individual women. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that so much. So I am so excited Mm -hmm. to share your perspective with my listeners. Yay. Oh, I can't wait to share. Thank you for saying that and sharing that. Absolutely. So I already shared your bio at the very beginning, but I would love if you could just share your story with my listeners, really how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so my story started, I mean, probably from the time I was born, but really started around the age of 13. Around that time, I went on a camping trip and on that trip, I was in a bathing suit, you know, like kayaking, tubing down the river, fishing, having tons of fun. And I had a digital camera with me, like one of the old chunky ones with a screen that's like the size of a like silver dollar. (laughs) And we took loads and loads of photos. We had a blast. Um, We ate lots of food, whatever we wanted. I got back home from that trip and was going through the photos. I was like had freshly just started high school and decided right then and there that I didn't like the way that my body looked. And it was the first time ever that I actually looked at my body and thought, I don't like the way that this looks. And I think I can actually change this. Like, I think that I can, you know, something is within my control. I can make changes and change how I look. And so I did very quickly. I spent the entire next day, like, you know, I grabbed a binder from my closet. I made tons of printouts and just started counting calories and making myself all these rules. And I Googled, which was like the worst thing I could have done, how to lose weight. And of course, Google gave me like a hundred different answers. And I feel like I tried on every single one of them right away at the same time. And so I lost a lot of weight very quickly And from that started getting so much attention around my body and around my weight. And all of that attention made me begin to feel more cared about, more noticed, more special, I guess, valued. And so I really, um, right then and there, like within that first 30 days, just held on so tightly to that weight loss. I thought it was the answer to literally everything, like having more friends, feeling more included, um, people looking up to me, 
um, helping other people because people would be like, how did you do this? Tell me everything that you did so I can do it myself. And I got so wrapped up into this and it quickly turned into an obsession quickly. And that obsession just grew deeper and deeper and deeper. And I just got more and more and more tied to it and wrapped my identity just completely up in the size of my body for the following six years. And I counted calories religiously that entire time. If I was ever not counting calories, it was because I, you know, had eaten too much the night before, went over my calorie limit. The calorie app was showing me like, you know, ding, 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 red zone, you're over the limit. And then I get frustrated, delete it, tell myself like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's too stressful. So I knew it was stressful. I knew there was parts of me that didn't like it, but then I'd find myself the very next morning re-downloading it with like a full, fresh, new set of commitment. And same thing would happen. And it just kept happening over and over and over and over for so many years. And I was so distracted by it. So then came um, 2010, so nine years ago from recording this, and I went through a big shift in my life, um, just trying to decide where I felt like I was fitting in, where I felt like I belonged. I got into a group of friends that, looking back, wasn't the greatest group of friends for me. And I knew that at the time. And so I called up one of my cousins and I said, hey, can I go to church with you this Sunday? I just need like just a dose of something good and happy in my life. And I planned to go for one day. So I went with her and the church that I went to, there was loads of people smiling and like wearing yellow and bright colors and hugging each other and laughing. And it was like after service and they were drinking coffee and talking. And, you know, I'd see someone like put their hand on someone else's shoulder and really be listening to them. And it was there that I was like, I want to stay here forever. Like I never want to leave this place. I want to just like do everything that they have. And so I quickly signed up for a bunch of things like to teach um, vacation Bible school when I knew like barely anything about the Bible. I remember I would go to teach a lesson and I'd be like studying beforehand and um, just like volunteering my time going to the small groups. I went to the college group and it was really just from this genuine place of I had never felt such a massive amount of love from people who weren't like my immediate family. And I just found so much belonging. And so through that, through that, because I was so fulfilled in so many other areas, I just stopped literally like miraculously just stopped caring about food for about seven or eight months. After about seven or eight months of eating cookies and anything, whenever I wanted them, I started to see my body shifting and it really freaked me out. But it freaked me out in a way, not in a way of like, oh, this freaks me out. I think I'm gaining weight in a, in a way where this freaks me out. I don't want to have this freak me out back into dieting because it felt so good to start to just let go of dieting. So what I did at that point was I hired a counselor and I did not even know that coaching existed at this time. It's like not popular yet. I, um, that counselor was wonderful. She helped me to see so many things. She gave me perspective. She told me that if I didn't start dealing with this now, which she was praising me for coming in and dealing with it then, that I would still be dealing with it when I was 65 or 75 because she has clients like that who are still coming to her. 
saying, I've been doing this since I was, you know, 15 or 16. And now I'm 65 or 70. And I'm still doing exactly the same things. And to me, that was like, oh my gosh, I have to make a change right now because I either can make a change now and be happier for the rest of my life and create the freedom that I want to create, or I can keep doing exactly this for the rest of my life, thinking that I'm going to get happy from it. But like looking back, it never fulfilled me ever, no matter how small I got, no matter how much weight I lost, no matter how much praise I got. In fact, it just like locked me in more. So, um, I started doing some work. Things really started turning around. I would say just like within like a month or two, like when you really show up and start paying attention to those things and you get good perspective and mindset shifts, things really started to change. And then the like final part of this story is when I realized, um, and I was working with a naturopath too, who helped me to just like appreciate food again, like not be Mm. so fearful of it. And I started experimenting with like, I'd make um, a great like big like salad with like nuts and strawberries and like goat cheese and pretty dressing and just experiment. And I'd have like crackers or like really wonderful like rosemary bread or something on the side, like with olive oil. Like I just found this like, oh my God, food is beautiful. Like it can make me feel good. Just this great appreciation for it. And it was the first time in like six to seven years that I had looked at food for food and food that I could enjoy and have fun with and be creative with versus looking at food as a number and something that was just like, just, I don't like, like an, I'm just adding calories to my day is how I would look at food before. So when I discovered that, how much I could appreciate food, what a great relationship I could have with it. And that I could still feel good in my body. In fact, feel so much better because I was finally sleeping. Like my periods got back to normal. I was in a better mood. I felt healthy. I had energy to want to like just move my body in fun ways. Then I was like, I have to share this. And my intention was if I can start a blog and reach just one girl who is like in high school in the spot that I was in or in college, whatever, thinking that she has to go on a diet or count calories to feel worthy, to feel good in her body, whatever. Like it's the only answer. You're either that or you're like my other fear is if I'm not dieting, I'm going to feel completely gluttonous and over the top and unhealthy. And I didn't know there was any middle ground. And I didn't really have any examples of that. And so I wanted to be that example. So then I started the blog that led me to coaching to where I am now seven, eight, nine years later. Oh my gosh. I love your story so much. I'm yeah. like nodding along. I was trying not to like, uh-huh the whole time because uh-huh, I'm uh-huh. Like, totally. I know that, you know, that a lot of, I have a, there's a lot of parallels in, in my story too, and finding so much worth in myself because of my body and this weight loss. And I think that, I think so many women need to hear your story. And what I think I, I love most about your story is that the shift started happening for you, not necessarily when mm-hmm. you gave up the counting and the tracking, and but it was when you started feeling fulfilled in other areas. When you went to church yeah. and you started digging in and finding this faith and this community 
And that was a huge shift for you. And I love that because I think so many women tend to think that, well, if I just stop doing this, everything will be fixed. But there's so much more to it. There's, There's so much inner work that needs to be done. And so I, I appreciate that part of your story. So well, I appreciate your whole story. But that part of your story really stuck yes. out to me that that was such a huge turning point for you. And that really helped you shift away from the tracking and, and the counting. And so I'm actually I'm curious. Um, so during that time after you, you know, you were you were going to church and you found this community and you kind of gave up the, you know, the counting and the tracking and food wasn't really a thing. And then you came into the point where you were like starting to get a little bit freaked out about the fact that it was bothering you mm-hmm. that your body was shifting and you were changing. Was that how was that how did that shift happen where you kind of how did that decision happen where that transition, I guess, happened where you're like, okay, I am not going to allow myself to to focus on this anymore. This is not going to be something I allow in my life because I've seen, you know, the light. I've seen the light at the end of the tunnel that it doesn't have to be like this, that I don't have to be obsessive. Can you share a little bit more about that transition? Yeah, it was probably multiple things combined. But one of them is I had this woman in my life who I met through church and she had the deepest like love and passion for food in such an incredible way. Like she had a garden in her front yard and she would garden when I would go to her house, she would have me like get my hands in the garden and pick like the strawberries or grab the tomatoes. And she would, um, have nights where she was cooking dinner and she had like friends come over and I'd go and she'd get me in the kitchen and get me with her and, you know, have me be cooking and we'd be making like pizzas, but we would make them like in such a way, like I said, when I was dieting, I I was so black and white. It was either you're so strict on dieting, you're counting every calorie, you're trying to eat as little as possible. You're even buying like, you know, zero calorie dressing, which I don't even know how that existed, (laughs) Um, but it did. And like drinking loads of like diet soda and sugar-free everything and nothing actually had like that I was eating hardly anything had like any like nutritional value to it. It was just like this calorie based eating. And then I met this woman and she's like not tracking anything ever. She totally cares about her health, but in the most non obsessive loving way, just like in this way that is just filled to the brim with like appreciation for herself and her body and food. And it inspired me so much. And I guess she was actually, and when I'm talking about it, like she was probably the first example. And then my counselor would have been like the second example of women who just treated themselves with so much love. And I think I just wanted that. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw that that was available and then I realized some insecurity about my body was starting to set back in what I had always done before when any ounce of insecurity would set back in was run to a diet, run to the next diet, immediately promise to like do this for three months, do it so well. And after three months, I'll look like this, right? Like, and I didn't want to do that again because I knew it was like, I got a taste of freedom from not caring. 
And once you get a taste from that freedom, it's really hard to go back to a diet. Even (laughs) if you dip into it for a day or two, you're like, oh God, no, this is why I don't like this. Um, And I just wanted to create that like awesome, loving, wholesome, like that peaceful, fun, like getting excited to cook and make different things and share the food with people. But also in a way that I was really listening to my body, this woman that I was kind of watching and observing, I never, ever once heard her say like, oh God, I'm so full or I'm so hungry, but I'm not going to let myself eat. Like never. There was none of that. If she was hungry, she like went to her fridge and like grabbed some nuts or whatever she like had in her fridge. If like she was full, she just peacefully like sat back in her chair and paid attention to the people around her. There was no tension And so that to me was just like nothing I'd ever seen before. And I was like, what? I want this. (laughs) What a beautiful example. As you're describing this woman, I'm like, I want, I want to meet her. I want to be her. I I want to be that example for other people. And I understand how that would, you know, inspire the shift in you to want to share because that is, I think that's so rare in our world that is so rife with diet culture that someone, you know, that women still exist that just enjoy food and treat their bodies well because they love their bodies. That is, that's so incredible. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yes. Yes. Well, as you just said, like, I want to be that example. Like, that is what drives me. Like when I'm around people and when I'm eating and when I'm making food, like I want to be that example of freedom, not just with food, but with money and in other areas and relationships. Like I'm not perfect. I don't have any standard of perfection whatsoever. But if I can be example, an example of someone else can see like that a little more freedom is possible for them, I want to be that example. I love that. I think that's so that's so powerful. I think I think people notice that too because it's different than mm-hmm. what we tend to see in other women. I think so many conversations revolve around what we should or shouldn't be doing around food. I know something that I notice a lot when I go out to dinner with girlfriends. They know that I'm a holistic nutritionist and I have, you know, my very close friends know what I do and they know that I'm an intuitive eating counselor and that I'm, that's what I'm into. But women who I don't know very well, the conversation will often go, you know, when we're ordering something like, oh, don't judge me because I'm going to have the burger or, oh, just ignore mm-hmm. what I'm choosing. And I'm like, no, it's okay. I'm also going to have yes. what s- sounds good to me and what is going to satisfy me and what feels good and sometimes that's a burger and sometimes that's a salad and I don't even you know I don't even explain that really anymore I just try and and lead by example and I think so many more women can do the same and just just lead Mm -hmm. by example in in loving food and loving ourselves rather than making it a should or shouldn't or um, you know putting rules Mm -hmm. around things yes so I'm wondering if Um, there was a turning point for you. Was it being with this woman? Was it being with the counselor where you realized that you were no longer controlled by the numbers? Hmm. So the woman and the counselor were the start of it. Then starting the blog was a continuation of it because it was a way for me to express and share and stay connected with this new like way that I wanted to live, I guess you could say. Um, but like, it really took quite a while. 
um, maybe like a couple years to feel fully like rooted and committed, like in a um, almost like up uphill, like linear way. You know, it was kind of like uphill, like up, 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 down, up, 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 down. Mm. And ultimately, I would say my relationship with food did get like uphill linear, just like up with not really downs because it became so normal. It was no longer something new that I was trying to learn. Um, of course, that doesn't mean that there aren't times where I eat and I get too full or things like that. Of course, those kind of things happen. But what I mean is in the first couple years, there were like a couple or a few points where I'd get intrigued by like a new community of, I don't even know what to call it. Like you, we all know there's like lots of communities that exist out there that are like, come and do our like nutrition plan and all of our Mm -hmm. workouts. And then you'll have all these friends and things like that. And so I would see some of these new communities and I would still get like intrigued, like, Hmm, that looks cool. And I would get really excited about it within this time. Sometimes I join in, um, but it would be like a day or two or a couple days. And then I would realize, Oh gosh, wait, what? Go back. This isn't what you wanted to do. And I think that's pretty normal too, for someone who is on their intuitive eating journey to like several times have little points where they're revisiting a diet or some kind of more structured plan. And it's, I think it's just our way of making sure that this intuitive eating thing is like actually what we want to do that we can actually trust our bodies. It's just this little revisit of, wait, do I need some more control? And do I need some more structure and a plan? And then you revisit it and it's fine. There's no shame in that. And then you, when you do, you're like, oh wait, no, 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 no. I actually like this better. And then you can go back and you can continue. And all of those points, if we don't judge ourselves for them, can be like lessons that like more deeply root us in trusting ourselves. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think yeah, on this journey of intuitive eating, and especially for women who are just tuning in to this podcast for the very first time, or you know, they've listened to a couple, but they're not quite sure about this journey to intuitive eating, I think it can be so reassuring mm-hmm. to hear from someone who has lived this, who has been in this for years and years, that there are t- there were times that you kind of went back to a little bit more structure because I think we do yep. crave structure as humans a lot and that sometimes it can feel almost overwhelming to not have structure anymore when you're on that journey of, of really finding your you know balance, so to speak, and finding your version of intuitive eating and that it's okay and there's no shame in kind of sometimes in that early that early those early stages going back to it and that you experience that yourself too yep. I think that's so encouraging to see someone who is so far along this journey mm-hmm. saying that yeah I also had to kind of um you know had those ups and downs in the beginning until it was that um that point of that that linear up <laughs> like you described yes yes totally so I'm wondering then do you have any tips for the listener who wants to break that rule-based mindset, maybe that calorie counting, who wants to delete that app, but is a little bit nervous to do it? I'm like, do it. (laughs) Yeah, just do it. (laughs) Just do it. But also, 
like make sure that you have support and positive influence. There's so many ways to get support now. Holy cow. When I started this journey, I feel like there were very minimal ways. Like blogging was like not even that popular yet. I think I found a blog because I was looking for a recipe. Like it was, um, oh man, there are just so many ways to get support through books, through people on Instagram, through like really good friends in your life who have similar perspectives. Now a lot more people like know what intuitive eating is now, an intuitive eating group, of course, uh, I mean, literally like a coach, anything have support so that you will feel safer and more reassured and just supported along your journey. Um, but also another thing I want to say is like intentionally break the rules that you believe and set for yourself and show yourself as like a fun little gentle experiment. Like these rules aren't necessary. For example, I used to have a rule that when I was on the elliptical, I had to do 30 minutes, like on the dot 30 minutes, I would be like staring at the clock And when it would get close to 30 minutes, I'd like have my hand on the stop. I didn't want it to go 30 minutes in one second or 29 minutes. And, you know, you know what I mean? And so I started to intentionally break the rule and then walk away from it. Like break the rule that I had set for myself, walk away and realize, oh my gosh, my whole world didn't fall apart. It's actually Mm. totally fine. So I would do the elliptical for like 29 minutes and 15 seconds or something like that to show myself doesn't matter if you go to 30, it is totally fine or whatever. It could be 15 minutes, but just breaking that rule. Um, another one, I remember anytime I used to eat almonds when I was calorie counting, I would like count out 27 almonds because that was like a serving size. And then I would eat all 27, whether I wanted them or not, because I had already plugged that into my calorie counter. And it was like, well, if I counted the calories for this, I'm going to eat it. And this is like the only snack I'm going to get until, you know, my lunch comes or whatever. And so instead, I would stop counting the almonds. I would grab just a few, like just a small handful. It wasn't 27. I'd eat those and recognize, I don't even know if I want all of these. Like, I just kind of wanted a taste of almonds and then like to walk away. And so I would break that rule of having to count it. Um, when I would go to the grocery store, I specifically remember a time going to a grocery store with a friend who was like my diet buddy and it was Trader Joe's. We were in Trader Joe's and we were doing like our normal, just grabbing some things. And she was doing what I normally would do, which was take every single thing that I was about to buy, flip it over and read the calories. Mm. So I started breaking that rule for myself too. I'm not going to read the calories. If I want to read the ingredients, that's like a different step that I can do just to like be curious and see what's in my food. But it felt less obsessed. It felt like a step forward from counting the calories and looking at the numbers. I wanted to stop caring about numbers and just pay attention to what's actually going to like leave me feeling good. What do I actually want? But for the most part, I just stopped flipping the containers over. I would just, you know, grab something and say, this looks awesome. I want to try this. I want to be creative with this food. I want to see how it tastes. And I would just pay attention to the taste. So breaking rules like that. 
I love both of those things, finding community and breaking the rules. And I think that, I think you're so right that there is so much more of a community now out there that, and so much more support, um, not necessarily, not even a community. It could be, it could be just a coach depending on what your comfort level is, but there is such a, an awesome intuitive eating community out there and everyone has their own, you know, unique perspective when it comes to intuitive eating. And I think finding someone that really jives with you is important, but because it's gotten so much bigger now, I think that it's, it's a lot easier to, to find, you know, some people that resonate with you and surround yourself with that because it, it's so hard to go about it alone. It really is. You need that that support, whether it's from a coach or a counselor or or a community of, of other like minded women who are also willing to not turn over the <laughs> not turn over the box and look yes. at the label because that is so common again in I think mm-hmm. just in in our world these days. And I know that took me a long time to stop turning it over as yes. well. And I still, you know, I read the ingredients. My my daughter has an allergy, so we have to read through the ingredients, but yeah. I don't even glance anymore at the calories. Yes. And for so many years, it was like, I, I was like, okay, will this be able to fit in to my daily allotment? And breaking free of that yes. is so powerful. So I love those tips. Yes. Can I share one more thing on this? Because I feel it's so important. Totally. Um, the other rule, and I'm holding quotes in the air as I say that, that I broke was I used to, and I'm sure many women can relate to this. I used to not eat something unless my friend was also eating it. For example, I would have never, when I was dieting, said, let's go get ice cream. And then my friend say, I don't actually want ice cream. And then I would go and get it anyways. I would never do that, Mm. ever. It was like, we're either in this together and we're both going to like eat as much ice cream as humanly possible and then go to Wendy's and get fries and then go to CVS and get candy or whatever it is. Like if we're going for it and we're going to break like our diet together, like we're both doing it and we're going to just get fit everything in. Right. So when I started eating intuitively, I had to challenge myself to say things like my friend would say, let's go get froyo like the same friend that I would diet with, let's go get froyo in a way that was like, Oh my God, food. Right. (laughs) And I would have to check in with myself and say, like, do I actually want froyo right now? Or would I only be getting it because my friend wants it? And, um, if I didn't want it, I would have to say, I actually don't want frozen yogurt, but if you want it 100%, let's go and get it. I will go with you, like enjoy it. And even if she said, no, I'm not getting it unless you get it. I had to stick with, I have permission to listen to my own body. Like I'm not offending anyone. It's okay. Same thing in reverse though. If I wanted Froyo and she was like, I don't really want any. I had to challenge myself to say, okay, will you go with me to get some? And I'd be the only one eating it. And that had to be completely acceptable and fine because that was something that I wanted. And I wanted to honor that because I wanted it not based on what anyone else is doing. And that was a super important way for me to also break my own rules was, you know, if a friend's eating a salad and you want a sandwich, order the sandwich. If a friend's eating a sandwich and you want a salad, order the salad. Don't feel any guilt about it. Yes, I love that. Giving yourself permission either way, permission to say yes, permission to say no, permission just to honor your own body. Oh, I love that. 
So something that I really am really excited to dig in with you and that I think is so unique to you as a coach is that you're not just an intuitive eating coach and a health coach, but you're also a financial coach. And one thing that you said to me, because this is something that we've um, we've talked about together, and I know you've mentioned this on, on social media before, that just really stuck with me um, and something that I really wanted to kind of dig into is that the way we are with food is the way we are with money. Can you explain this a little bit more? Yes. <laughs> um so a concept that I learned in one of my own coach trainings a long time ago, which a lot of you have probably heard maybe, is the way we do one thing is the way we do anything or the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. And all that means is that it all comes down to our behavior and we have like a the common denominator in anything that we do is our behavior. And so for this, like if my behavior with dieting is to be super strict and super quote unquote good and really limit myself and have these super strict goals and everything's focused on weight loss or whatever it is. Um, and I'm not going to listen to anything outside of that. I'm just going to firmly stick to this. Then I'm probably the same with money when I'm trying to save. For example, I will make, I will choose like an arbitrary number. Like I, I, I should save $800, right? And for no reason, I will just think that I should have this much money in my savings account. And I used to do this. And in that time, my savings number was 800. <laughs> and I would just choose, like, I should be better at saving. I don't know why, but I just should, I just should save. And so what I would do is I would cut out anything fun from my budget. I would make all these rules. Like I can't eat out. I have to stop doing this. I have to spend less here. I can't buy any clothes. I'm going to challenge myself to not buy clothes for 60 days, whatever it was. Everything was just as extreme as it would be with dieting. And I had no reason behind wanting to save like $800. Just like when I was dieting, I really didn't have much reason behind I should lose more weight. Like I just should. Sounds like a good idea. And so when I looked back and kind of realized that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so true with food and money too, because today... I eat intuitively. I check in with what feels good. I check in with like what kind of food would be exciting to eat throughout the week that I'd have fun cooking that Marco would also enjoy. And I think about things in that way. And same with money. I think through when I go to Nordstrom Rack now, love Nordstrom Rack, and I'm trying things on. Um, I really ask myself, okay, like I kind of like this. Do I want to buy something that I kind of like? No. And this isn't my only chance to go shopping. If I find something that I really like, like it doesn't have to be today, I have, you know, endless amount of days in my life to shop if I want to. I'm going to wait until I find something that I really love and that I will wear. So it's made me become so much more neutral with my spending. I used to just, you know, go to Urban Outfitters and buy every single thing that fit that was on sale. And I had so much less money then too. <laughs> like... <laughs> But I would just spend all of it just like when I was eating. I was either like being very strict and not eating or not eating very much, or I was eating everything. Same with shopping. I was either not going to the store and staying out of the store, or I was going to the store and spending like my entire high school or college paycheck 
on like one shopping trip. Yes, I can relate to this so much. I know you know that I can relate to this so much, but I I really wanted to chat about this because I think this is going to be mind-blowing for so many women who are listening, I think, because I had never (laughs) thought of it this way before because I have seen so many similar patterns in my own life, that all-or-nothing mentality, either around money or around food. I know I remember when I was first working and I was first... Um, I, when I owned my my very first business and I was making more money than I had ever made in my entire life. And I would get these like giant, yeah. paycheck, not giant in my head. They were not giant, but like giant yeah. in my head paychecks. And I would be like, oh my gosh, I have so much money now. And we had, you know, a little bit saved. So I just went and spent it all. And we weren't saving anymore. We weren't, you know, we would just spend what we had and then we would have nothing. And then we would get more and spend what we had and have nothing and go back and forth. And and I've had um, very similar experiences too with food and that all or nothing mentality. So what Mm. I'm curious about then is the woman who is like, yes, I have experienced this too. I completely understand what they're talking about and maybe never clicked that how we, you know, how we deal with food is also, you know, how we are with money. How can this woman who wants to stop this like diet budgeting break free from this mindset in both food and money? Such a good question. So a few things that I talk about with money are that are not often talked about. Or when we go to do our budget, just like I talked about, I want everyone to think about the woman who I was describing at the beginning of the podcast who so inspired me and she was so like appreciative of food and she really like took her time with it and would cook things and give thought to things. She would slow down, even with me and in our conversation, she would slow down, she would listen, same thing with money, like slow down pay attention to what you actually value. I encourage everyone to make a list of like a joy list of, okay, what are the things in my life that really make me happy? Like when I go and do this thing, I feel so happy. For example, for me, it'd be like one of my happiest moments, which we try to do like every week, at least once. Sometimes we do multiple times because it's so fun is have our friends over for dinner. Well, I'll just like text some friends. Hey, you guys want to cook dinner together tonight? Everyone's going to bring something and we're all going to make dinner together. And they'll come over and we'll hang out and we'll sit in the backyard. Sometimes we'll stay up late. We'll talk. There's babies. There's a million dogs. And I don't know if there's anything else in this season of my life that fills me up that much. Like, I just love it. So that would be one of the things that I write on my joys list. The other thing is when I go on like a solo hike, myself and my dog, I just feel so filled up and grounded and fresh. And I love being outside. This is another thing. I just love it. Or when I pour my morning cup of coffee and go outside, we have rocking chairs in the backyard and I just sit in the rocking chair and I'm just kind of like relaxing or maybe I have a book and I'm reading or I take my dog Abby for a walk or there's so many things that I can pinpoint that I'm like this, these are the things that added up over a week or added up into a day, make the day feel so great and rich or driving to a lake with my husband and just like floating. And of course it's summertime now. So all of these things are like the best things to do during summer for me. (laughs) Um, But they fill me up so much. 
So what I noticed when I was writing my own joys and values list was these things don't actually cost very much money. I didn't write down like going to Nordstrom Rack and buying eight new shirts or, um, you know, spending a ton of money on all these like subscription boxes or I, I mean, I just so many random things that you could think of that are probably on your credit card statement or your bank account statement. And so when I made this list and I encourage everyone to do this and then I went to my budget and for you guys, then when you go to your budget, you can check and say, what am I spending money on that I never even thought about when I was writing down what brings me joy? For me, one of those things was the gym. I'm spending money every month and I have for years and years and years and years on a gym membership that I would use sometimes for little bursts of time and then I wouldn't use because I would just burn out and get over it. But I always felt like I should have this. I should have it in my back pocket. I should have access to this gym. And when I finally realized, like, I didn't even write that on my list. This doesn't bring me joy at all. I just gave myself permission. Like, go and do the movement that is on your list. And who cares about the gym? Like, let go of the gym membership. For us, that was like $90 a month together. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really giving myself permission to do that. I also didn't write, like stopping and you know getting like random meals all throughout the week like just out of convenience I didn't write that that didn't bring me any joy I did write going to dinner like with a group of friends or having friends at our house for dinner where like everyone brings something those are like that's a different you know like so often we put like eating out on our budget but it's not eating out that brings us joy so really intentionally saying what are the times that I do love to go to dinner? Um, and just thinking of those things, does that does that feel clear? Oh, totally. I'm nodding along so yeah. much over here with that because this is really something you introduced me to. Um, I did your budgeting workshop and mm-hmm. it was so profound. And a, a lot of what you share are things that my husband and I have done, like the Dave Ramsey program a couple times. And so we have a pretty good yeah. knowledge of how to create a budget. But something we had never really considered was creating a budget based on your values and the things you value. And it really has shifted our mindset around what we value and and what we budget for and being able to release things that were like, that doesn't really matter to us. And it's funny because the gym was actually mm-hmm. one of those things for us too. Actually, we had a gym that we went to for a number of years and it was great, but it was really expensive and they ended up closing down. And so we got a YMCA membership, which was great because it also benefited our, our kiddo or at least our big kid who was doing gymnastics there. And then when she decided, because oh, you, you get like a discount when um, on the programs for the kids when you have a membership, but when she decided she didn't want to do gymnastics anymore and she wanted to do dance instead, we were like, we realized that we weren't actually using the membership that much because I love to run outside. We love to go on hikes. Like we love to rock climb. My husband's a sailor, so he sails and he bikes. And so both of us prefer to be outside when we can. And when I'm going to be inside and working out, I would rather just do like a YouTube video or something. We didn't need to be spending that like hundred dollars a month. And so we were like, why are we spending this money? And we let go of it. And we're like, oh my gosh, we freed up $100 a month to put something in there that 
is actually important to us. And really what it allowed our daughter to do was do two activities instead of just the one because then we had space in our budget. And that, you know, really fills all of us up because we love seeing her pursuing the things that she's passionate about um, as well as, you know, choosing the things in our life that are are valuable to us. So that was, oh my gosh, I... I really hope the that you know the woman listening right now is like that is so amazing as much as I <laughs> as much as I was when I first heard it. So Great. thank you for sharing that so much. Yes. And you know something that this um, this really reminds me of another thing that you've you've spoken about a lot that I really appreciate is when we're making decisions about um, you know about budgeting or decisions about our eating is making decisions for our future selves. So we're not just making those decisions in the moment, but making those decisions based on how we want our future self to feel. Can you expand on this a little bit more? Because I just, I love this concept. Yes, you guys, this is so important. This was like life changing for me to start caring for my future self. Because what I realized was when I was super impulsive with dieting and super impulsive with spending, I was only considering that instant immediate gratification for myself. And what I learned is when I'm only interested in immediate gratification, doing something right now that feels good and you know gives me that dopamine hit, that it oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes doesn't leave me feeling good 20 minutes from now later that night, the next day, a week from now, whatever it is, it doesn't leave my future self feeling good. And so I made a decision to start considering what what would my future self feel like? Am I going to be happy with this decision 30 minutes from now, tomorrow, a week from now, a year from now, whatever it is, whatever the goal is, am I going to be happy with this decision? So for example, with dieting, when I used to diet super hardcore and then binge eat, I started asking myself with binging, um, the immediate gratification would have been, do it, go home, get all the food, make all the nachos, do whatever you want, eat the food, have fun. Very fast thinking and so much excitement around like food and eating it, but in a very fast way that I almost wouldn't even like have the time to notice what I was doing. Mm. That's what binging felt like to me. And every single time, 30 minutes later, I would be like sitting down thinking, oh my God, why did I do that? Like, I remember this whole story I was going to tell myself like the next time I was about to binge that I wouldn't do it and that I wouldn't feel good later. And I know this and I've probably promised myself this would be like the last time that I binge 165 times, but I still am doing it. What is wrong with me and why can't I stop? And what it came down to is I was never slowing down to consider my future self. And I almost intentionally did that. Um, Meaning I knew if I slowed down enough to consider how I'd feel later, that then I probably wouldn't want to binge and I wanted to binge. Or I knew that if I slowed down enough and like came to neutral around shopping and buying something. And what I mean by coming to neutral is like coming down from your excitement, like chilling, getting calm (laughs) and really asking yourself, 
like, it's no big deal. Do I actually want this shirt? Like, or am I just really excited about it right now? Cause it's in my hand and I'm in the store and I think it's going to make my life better and whatever. And really, really giving myself the space to slow down. Am I going to be happy with this purchase later? Does this like fit in my budget? If not, like I have 80 more years to go shopping. Like I don't need to buy everything today. So um, a couple things that really help are slowing down, um, having an abundance mindset. And by that, I use this with my clients with food and money, remembering and like holidays and everything. Remembering like this isn't the last Christmas that you're going to have that you get to eat all these cookies. There are so many more Christmases ahead of you. Also, these cookies have a recipe. You can make them anytime throughout the entire year yes. if you want to. And there's no shortage of cookies in the world. Like there's no shortage of times that you can go shopping. Like you just have to remind your brain, this isn't your last chance. This isn't the last time you're going to do something. Um, if you're telling yourself like, I'm just going to spend all this money while I'm shopping today and then I'll never do it again. I'm just going to eat all this food right now or stuff myself super full and get all these goodies in and then I'll be really good and I'll never do it again. That is always, 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 every single time a lie. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're having that like ultimate, like extreme all or nothing thinking, that's a signal you want to walk away, get calm. And by getting calm, literally just slowing your thinking, relaxing, remembering nobody's taking it anything away from you and now like once you're calm you can make the decision that you want to make while considering your future self yes uh i love that the common theme i think that i've noticed you talking about a lot is slowing down and it's taking a second to slow down and calm down and really consciously make these decisions and in such a fast-paced world. And especially because a lot of my yes. listeners are, are moms and are or busy women who live fast-paced lives just because that is the nature of being, you know, a woman who, you know, has a career or has kids or really anyone in this world in this day and age. We do not live, at least if anyone who's in, you know, North America or most people in North America, we tend to live fast-paced lives and just the reminder to slow down and allow ourselves to make these decisions that serve ourselves is mm. so important. So thank you for that. Totally. You're so, so welcome. It's so true. And I used to live like bam, 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 like doing something every second, never stopping, always scheduled. And that was not working for me. So <laughs> if that is not working for you and you feel very fast paced, uh, there are ways and like creative ways for anyone to slow down and just kind of like reduce clutter that's not adding value. Yes, totally. Oh my gosh, so good. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I wanted to switch gears a little bit for a minute. And we've been talking a lot about ditching these, you know, this rule-based mentality around food and eating intuitively and, you know, making choices for our future selves and really making choices that, that serve us. But something that you spoke about a while back on Instagram was something that I thought was so 
brave and so powerful. And I actually ended up writing a response post to it, kind of my my own thoughts Mm -hmm. on it. And in this post, you shared how there can sometimes be a fear in sharing our journeys of eating intuitively, not just from the outside world, but also inside the world of intuitive eating. Mm The whole post is incredible, and I'm going to try and link to it if I can, but something that you said stuck out to me, and I just wanted to read a portion of it because I really want the listeners to connect with this. Mm. Intuitive eating is not my religion, and these well-known people are not God. You shared this fear of being deemed a fake intuitive eater, so to speak, and learning to show up for what works for you and help your clients do the same. Um, Another thing you said was, since when did the intuitive eating community become a place to shame people for making choices that are different from ours? Since when did we decide it was okay to say someone is a fake intuitive eater because she's drinking a kale green smoothie or a keto coffee? It's not okay, and we should be providing all women a safe environment to explore what works for them and rooting for that instead of judging them because of what works for them. I have in my notes, amen. (laughs) Because I think this is... Oh my gosh, I read it and I'm I'm literally like amening from my I think I like went and like read it to my husband. I was like, this is amazing. Like if I didn't love Paige enough already, I'm like, I feel this so deeply, I think, as somebody who is really passionate about um living a a really a well and abundant life. And part of that is mm-hmm. is eating in a way that serves me and in eating real food for the most part, you know, and and, and eating in a way that feels good for me and, and encouraging other women to find that too. And I think a lot of the intuitive eating world can sometimes feel like, well, if you're not just eating donuts and cookies all day, then, you know, you're not an intuitive eater. So why does totally. intuitive eating need to look a certain way? And how can we create this safe space for women to find what works for them? So I want to go back and use that woman woman that I talked about who now feels like a character, but I'm like, wow, she really is a real person. Wow. <laughs> um, we talked about the beginning of the smoothie and I feel like everyone listening, we're all visual people. And so maybe you can just imagine, maybe you have your own picture of what this woman looks like and what it's like for her to be in her kitchen and cooking and slowing down and being with people and having conversation and just loving and caring for her body in the most nurturing way where she'll take her body on walks and she'll cook herself food that tastes incredible and like use like olive oil and butter and like sprinkle sea salt on things and just she has this huge appreciation such a to me absolutely like healthy incredible aspiring relationship with food and her body and her self-care and the way she slows down and listens to people all of these things and imagine how absolutely ridiculous it would be to tell her or call her behind her back or whatever. She's a fake intuitive eater because she drinks those keto coffees that people make or like those bulletproof coffees. And that's such like a dieting thing. Or she drinks like green smoothies. Like intuitive eaters don't do that. You only do that when you're dieting. And like that just, when I think of that, it like blows a lid off my brain. It makes me (laughs) want to explode because it's like, what? Who? Are we to think that we can 
define if something else is intuitive or not for someone. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like, oh my gosh, it's not okay ever, no matter what anyone is eating to say, like, they're not an intuitive eater. I've heard people say before, this girl claims that she's an intuitive eater, but she's not really because I still see that she buys stuff from like this place and, you know, she takes these supplements or she still like drinks green smoothies. Clearly she's still dieting. Like that is just not okay at all in my book. And so that's what I wrote about in the blog post and on Instagram was basically just sharing like it's just not okay like off uh intuitive eating I almost said authentic eating which is like really what it is right is like mm-hmm. eating what is like authentic and feels good for you we should celebrate anyone that finds freedom in finding themselves like what works for them instead of like eating on like others based rules and what I mean by that is like I read this book this person gave me this perfect formula of exactly how I should eat and so this is the only thing that I'm eating and I don't eat anything else even if I feel like my body needs it that would be like others based eating um and so to me like we should celebrate no matter what it is if someone is finding like I feel really like free and great with food and I you know I'm having fun with food and that includes lots of vegetables and whole grains and these things that people consider really healthy and like most of my food is that like that's okay. (laughs) Like we should celebrate that someone found that and they feel great. Um, and I mean, you could change that scenario to anything that someone is eating, but I think we should just always celebrate when someone finds what feels good. The other thing I want to say is if everyone on this call were to go and buy the intuitive eating book, there are like 10 different principles of intuitive eating, but the two that are most portrayed on social media are like unconditional permission to eat and rejecting the diet mentality. And um, I feel like there's another one that I want to say that I'm not remembering, but let's focus on those two for a second. And so most of what you see is like someone posting a photo of like drinking a frappuccino, like hashtag intuitive eating or posting a photo, eating a donut, hashtag intuitive eating. And what that does is it only shows you this tiny, tiny, tiny little picture of people who are trying to give themselves permission to things, to foods and things that they've previously made off limits. And that can be celebrated too, but that's not the only piece of intuitive eating. Like the whole premise of intuitive eating and the studies that have been done on intuitive eating are like, let's let's show like that these people are actually achieving like more health from slowing down checking in with their bodies trying to listen to their body's signals and like removing all of this like guilt and shame around food and just getting calm around it they're also enjoying like more peace of mind and x y and z and all these things but it's intuitive eating in tandem with creating a like healthier lifestyle but one that's free from obsession and free from like ultimatums and black and white mentality, because what they're finding is that those things lead us to more like sabotage and less health. And so intuitive eating is about health and celebrating and feeling really great and creating freedom for whatever that means for you. Um, But, but a lot of times people feel guilty when they're trying to eat intuitively and then they're thinking or considering health. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think there's, there is freedom in feeling good and not obsessing about your food in eating in a way that is healthy mm-hmm. for you and having it not be obsessive and having it not be that rules based calorie counting, macro tracking sort of mm-hmm. way of eating. That is freedom in and of itself as much as, you know, being able to eat a donut without guilt. And so I really appreciate totally. that you're, you're bringing that into light, that there are more than just those two principles of intuitive eating and, and they all matter. And, and everyone has different things, you know, or different places that they need to work more on. And, you know, for some women, it's easy to break free of the diet mentality, but it's a lot harder to find what feels good to them. And some that requires experimentation sometimes and, and trying out different foods that, you know, might be traditionally healthy foods or might not be and finding what works for them. And all of that looks like finding your peace with food and freedom with food because we are all different. We all have different bodies. And yes, I so, I so appreciate you bringing to light the fact that it is, um, it can look so many different ways and we shouldn't be judging anyone because of how it looks for them anyone anyone even if i have a friend who let's say i have a friend who's like full keto or full macro counter or something i am never ever going to shame that person or make them feel like they're doing something wrong or try to push my own values on them because let's say that person is like counting macros and they're having a lot of success with it and they feel really good and that's what works for them totally fine like if they want to do that for the rest of their life totally fine if they're finding like their freedom in that and the other thing is what if they think they're feeling really good right now and then three months from now they're like crap I actually like this doesn't feel good and I don't want to do this but now I can't go talk to Paige because remember when she shamed me for counting macros like Mm -hmm. now I don't feel safe with her I don't ever want to be that person and so my perspective is like I want that friend to know like whatever you choose to do with your own body and your eating is completely your choice and I will never judge you for it and if you decide at any point along the way that this isn't looking working for you I am a safe friend to come to to share that this is no longer working for you and just to be there for you and talk and so I think like over anything it's not about convincing people to do things like our way or intuitively or whatever it is or even deem that something else isn't eating intuitively for one person but just to like be a safe place for people and um just support people I think that's like ultimately what it comes down to and like that like the reason that someone would walk away from a diet is because it's not feeling good for them and it's keeping them from enjoying other areas of their life or it's led them into an obsession. And so, um, that's, that's all it is, is about like clearing up mental space and freedom for people. Yes. And I think it, it does come back to when you were sharing before, just being that example for other people and being mm-hmm. that safe space for people to talk to yeah. and non-judgmental and just being that and just and you know showing the change that it's made in our own life just by 
the way we are and maybe they will come to you and ask you for advice one day or what you know or see the change in you and maybe they never will and that's okay Mm because we're all on our own journeys but I think it does it comes down to almost like staying in your own lane but also you know being that safe space of not judge and not judging others and and allowing everyone to be on their own path because we're all ready at different times to to make changes in our lives or not so I think that that's that's so beautiful. Mm, yes. I can I share one example? Yeah, totally. <laughs> My neighbor came over one day and had this plate and in the middle of the plate there was this little tiny donut. Or I'm sorry, it wasn't a donut, it was a bagel. And she gave it to me and she was like, "This is a keto bagel. Like I just made this. I'm trying keto." And I just want everyone to imagine for a moment that I was like, I'm sorry, I don't believe in dieting. Like, no, thank you. And like, didn't let her in or something like that. Like, of course I wouldn't do that. But can you just imagine if I was so focused on you should be an intuitive eater and not on a diet and keto's a diet. So you like, I'm not going to eat this because I'm trying to prove my point or something like that. Like that would just be awful. So instead I'm like, thank you so much for making me a bagel and how are you feeling? And just completely being a normal person to her. Um, and her like mother-in-law was there and she was like, she said something and the neighbor goes, no, no, no. Paige is like an intuitive eater or whatever. And I was like, well, whatever, like whatever, whatever feels good for you. Like, um, no shame, but it's not about like, even in the intuitive eating community, it's not about doing something one specific way. Like to me, so much more about like how we're freeing up freedom for ourselves and other people around us if that makes sense oh it totally makes sense yes yeah freedom yeah. for ourselves is ultimately what it's all about yes yes so yeah. I could probably talk to you for hours <laughs> and hours more but I, I want to and, and I have and I will in the future but on this specific podcast <laughs> Um, I want to, you know, I want to honor your time and uh, the listeners time too. Um, So because I am a foodie at heart, and I want to share food in a way that is joyful, I have three fun final questions for you. So the first Mm -hmm. one is what is your favorite thing to cook? Uh, right when you asked me that, I thought curry or <laughs> something mm. that I love about like putting the spices and the vegetables and stirring and smelling. And uh, so maybe I'll stick with that. I uh, have so many things that I love to cook, but curry is something that seems very fun and flavorful and smelly and like warm and everything to cook. Yeah, so good. I love anything with like a deep spice profile. So I love that. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> So then what is your, number two, is what is your favorite thing to order when you go out or have someone else cook for you? I love anytime someone else cooks for me because I'm definitely the cook at our house. So anytime someone else is cooking, it feels so special. Uh, One of our friends makes the most amazing steak um, and cooks it just like perfectly and there's butter and seasoning and it's like heaven so maybe that for someone else to cook something for me I get so excited anytime he's gonna make it and favorite thing to order out I love going to like a new really like awesome high quality amazing good tasty food 
restaurant and ordering like several different like appetizers mm. and like sharing with a friend and getting to like have a little bit of everything and just taste the flavor. I love going to like happy hours because you can order so many different things and we totally do. Um, and yeah, getting to try a little bit of everything. I love that. That is something that I do very often as well as order yeah. a few different things because it's so fun to try different foods. And yeah, I, I also one of the things I've, I've talked to um, I've talked to some other podcast guests about this before. One of the things I love to do, too, is um, ask what like either the waiter or waitress's recommendation or like the chef's recommendation is, because yeah. if like that's what they are inspired about, then I want to tra- I want to try that. Like, I want to try what they are most inspired to serve me or what they're most inspired to cook for me, which is kind of fun and um, something that I never would have allowed myself to do in the past. (laughs) Oh, I hope like the number one thing that people take away from this conversation today is to just like have fun and appreciate food and appreciate Mm -hmm. your body and slow down and like check in with your values, like do your joys list. So as you say that and like, what a fun thing because you're asking someone else like what is your favorite thing that you have an appreciation for that you love to cook I want to taste that and it's totally that like community bonding aspect yes oh my gosh so good (laughs) well so then my last question for you is that we talk a lot about finding your beautiful balance. So going beyond obsessing over food and finding nourishment and pleasure in food and in life. This ties in so perfectly. (laughs) So what does your beautiful balance mean to you? Oh, I love that question. And I think it is a little bit of what I just said, like (laughs) finding the appreciation in things. But let's talk like the future self for a moment. I would say that to me, um, something that I do and really started doing the last couple of years is trying to tune into my future self. I know that can sound a little woo woo, but what it really looks like is like closing my eyes and picturing like, who do I want to be becoming? Like, what is meaningful to me? What gives my life meaning and who do I want to be? And I'll close my eyes and visualize like, what's that look like? Who am I serving? Who am I talking to? Like, who am I being with? How am I showing up? And really looking at that person that I always want to be creating and making choices for. And um, just like from there, I guess just making decisions and choices that lead me continually towards that place. And that looks like balance to me. Like that to me looks like tuning into my intuition, seeing what's possible, seeing where I want to grow and doing that super lovingly and slow and calmly and with intention. That is so powerful and so beautiful. I love that page. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it too. It's all, <laughs> like I said, only something I started doing in the last couple of years. And it is like, has like brought me to tears before because it's you that you're connecting with yourself. You're just visualizing like, what do I want to be creating? And you're just checking in with that. And then you have direction towards what you actually want versus just what you think you should do or should be. Yes. So good. Oh, well, Paige, this was so incredible. Thank you so much for, for being on. Yeah. Can you just share where my listeners can find you? So my name is Paige Schmidt, P-A-I-G-E. Schmidt is S-C-H-M-I-D-T. And you can go to 
pageschmidt.com. You can email page at pageschmidt.com or you can find me on Instagram at pageschmidt. Can I also plug the growth faults as well? Oh, absolutely. Because this is something you started in just the last few months, right? And it's your membership program. And you guys, it is so powerful and so incredible. And if you love Paige today, you will love Paige in the Growth Vault because she does just this and help you kind of go from where you are now to, you know, your next level of growth. And mm-hmm. I'll let them go and check that out. But I'm going to definitely link to that and link to all of your awesome. things in, in the show notes too, because you're just so wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kristen. This is amazing. You're amazing. I adore you. That is not something that is hidden from you. <laughs> And thank you for having me. Thank you, friends, so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I truly hope it encouraged and inspired you today to live a healthier life without restriction. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you do me a huge favor and give it a star rating and review in iTunes? Every rating, review, and subscribe helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear it. You can find me, Kristen, on Instagram and Facebook at Healthy Mama Chris or on my website, Healthy Mama Chris. As a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are intended for information and inspiration only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. See you in the next episode.